It's the ACDC Beyond the Thunder Podcast. With your host, Kurt Squires. It's time to rock. And welcome back to the podcast with the biggest balls of all, ACDC Beyond the Thunder, a show where we talk with extraordinary fans who've been influenced by this extraordinary band, from authors, actors, athletes, and artists, and in this case, even comedians. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, and as always, thanks for listening. Our latest episode brings us to New Jersey, where my colleague and good friend Greg Ferguson and I tracked down a man who made his official stand-up gig back in 1980. 89, and by the mid-90s became a permanent cast member on Saturday Night Live with such memorable sketches as Goat Boy and The Joe Pesci Show. Besides stand-up, his career has included TV, radio, a podcast, music, and even feature films like Half-Baked, a stoner comedy flick starring Dave Chappelle, Snoop Dogg, and Tommy Chong. Many of you have heard his numerous guest appearances on The Howard Stern Show, He's a huge Mets fan, not to mention a diehard metalhead, as well as Brian Johnson's vocal doppelganger and good friend. We're talking about none other than comedian, actor, impersonator, and rocker, Jim Brewer. Jim, you were born not too far from here in Valley Stream, New York, and Long Island. Your father was a returning veteran of World War II, and your mom, who actually lost her first husband to World War II, raised you with, quote, hardcore blue-collar roots. What were some of your early hardcore musical roots growing up? Describe that musical timeline for us. It could have took a very tragic turn. I'm not going to lie to you. It started <laughs> off with Glenn Campbell on the horse, like a rhinestone cowboy. Nice. And then, uh, thank God, thank God Almighty, somewhere in the 80s, MTV came along. And, well, first I heard, I heard you shook me all night long. Didn't really know who that was, and then I, and then metal came in, and then I was fascinated with metal and hard rock. So it was Judas Priest came knocking on the door, nice. and then the floodgates open, and then I saw AC/DC, and that was it. It was Judas Priest and AC/DC, and no other band existed. That's funny. My two favorite bands growing up were AC/DC and Judas Priest as well. With Iron Maiden coming in a very strong third, I would say. Iron Maiden was, they kind of made me angry because they copied Priest, I thought. And it was a big war. <laughs> and I was on the Priest camp. Yep. So, um, ACDC. Matter of fact, I would, this is when they had records. So, I would take um, the needle and I would spend hours. As soon as I came home from school, I couldn't wait to get home from school so I can give my ACDC concert in my bedroom the way I wanted it. And I always opened up with, you know, I put the headphones on, plug it in, my father like, yeah, do your homework? Yeah, 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 I'm doing homework. That's what I'm doing. Changing the world, I'm gonna be a rocket scientist. Put on that vinyl, take it out, just look at it. I win it! And I would spend all my homework time going, all right, shoot the thrill. Then I'm going into back in black. <laughs> TNT's gonna follow that. 
Then I'm gonna have to, then I'm gonna have to figure out the fourth song. And maybe a whole lot of rows. Yeah, that's, that's up a little too early. <laughs> so I I would spend all my time writing out what how this concert's gonna go. And of course it would always end with uh, the cannons going up. As a matter of fact, the cannons were on my bed and in my <laughs> drawer. So I would sit there on my headphones and not realize it was probably really loud. Like, and not only would I be Angus and Brian and Cliff, I would be the crowd. So I would, I would be like, and then I'd qu quick be the guy in the audience calling, the, the cannons are about to come up. Here come the cannons. What? You'll see the cannon blow up. These big smoke rings come out sick. So I was full blown. And when I was done, I was sweating. And I just remember looking in my doorway and my father just sitting there like this. Jesus Christ. Gee, what the hell are you listening to? Like ACDC. And he can never pronounce it. To this day, my dad says, AC Doocy? <laughs> I love it when people think a band is just one person. Yeah, it's always one person. Let me see him. There's a whole bunch of them, Dad. It's not just one guy. <laughs> That's World War II coming out right there. He was, so yeah, here my dad's come back from the jungle and I'm like, you gotta listen to this, dad. I'm so happy you told that story of reenacting an ACDC concert in your bedroom. I thought I was the only weird kid who actually recruited friends to play each member of the band and act out an entire set list in my bedroom on a Friday night in the dark with a strobe light on. I'd wear a makeshift schoolboy uniform, be covered in sweat. and But of course, other ACDC fans do that, right? I mean, even well-known comedians like yourself. So speaking of comedy, Jim, at what point did you know that you wanted to do stand-up and make people laugh? Well, I, I started doing stand-up. I wanted to first be, there was a lot of things. First, I wanted to act. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do stand-up. I wanted to be a, a lead singer. There was a lot going on. I had a lot of decisions to make. <laughs> and when the metal world came, I remember all the kids, they were into the uh, hair metal, which I wasn't really. I wish I understood Metallica quicker because yeah. everyone was wearing spandex and the kids up the street were into spandex. They were into rat and all this. So, I, scorpions, I like the way the scorpions dress. So I remember being in my basement and I got, I had a triple Monsters of Rock going down that <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. It was um, Judas Priest, then the scorpions were gonna go up because nice. the scorpions came out with the big city, big city, <laughs> the mighty Klaus mine. Big city. Um, God, and the zoo. And I got my pant. They were worldwide live was on. And I got my leopard skin pants in the mail. And I couldn't get these things up over my thighs. And then once I got them up, you know, my little fat's hanging over the button. I'm not made for this, man. I, I, 
I literally turned away from being a lead singer because I couldn't find the right outfit. <laughs> so to this day, I probably could have been right up there with Hetfield, Brian Johnson, all the greats if I just found the right outfit. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the pants, man. Speaking of outfits, you know what other band that I absolutely loved growing up was? Camouflage pants and all. Was Except from Germany. Do you remember those guys? Except was huge for me. And I also had an affinity for Crocus. All very much ACDC sounding bands, I know. Yes. Prowling in the night, I fall for you. Screaming in the night. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yes. All those voices, are, I call them variations of Brian Johnson. Even Dio. Dio, who, I, you know, they're all trying to knock in for me. You couldn't knock ACDC, Metallica, a Judas Priest off the block for me. That was it. You couldn't get the, you know, the other bands would try the rat. That's all. Those are all variations of the Scorpions. There's no one like you. Round and round, what comes around? Girls, 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 what comes around, girls? Um, <laughs> where Dio was Brian Johnson, but more operatic. We're off to the witch. We might never, never return. <laughs> where Brian had it. We're off to the witch. We might never, never return. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pirate going on. That was a real rocker. <laughs> that is so fascinating to hear you break down lead singers into categories like that. We've all seen bands bracketed out in a huge family tree and seeing which group gave birth to who, but not so much vocalists like you just did there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you'd bring them down to Cinderella. Ah! They were like the they were like the couch Brian Johnson. No fool, nobody's fool, nobody. It's all from Brian. I'm no fool. <laughs> if it was Dio, I'm no fool. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no fool. <laughs> yes, I'm no fool. <laughs> Brian just, I'm no fool. Right in there. <laughs> How long did it take you to practice all of these lead singer voices and their little idiosyncrasies? They're amazing. One of my favorites being James Hetfield, which I heard you do for the first time, I think, when you appeared on MTV's Icon Awards honoring Metallica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Metallica was all the years and it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, think about it. You know, one of the greatest things about Metallica is yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh. That was Lars and James, and a spot on Ozzy. I tell, I tell, I tell you, I, I, I was very, I was shocked when 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 ACDC came around. I, I, I wasn't sure what they were. And then, of course, an uncanny imitation of Brian Johnson, which is so good that it's actually hard to discern between the two of you. And then to incorporate ACDC into your act, that was one of those moments for me, which again showcases just how much this band has penetrated and influenced our culture. At what age did you hone this skill of emulating these vocal heroes? 
And did you ever think in a million years that you would be making a living off impersonating these rock gods? Well, you know what? I started, uh, I don't remember too many comedians when I, when I was younger. All the way back to MTV in early 90s, um, I always imitated everything I loved. So I was imitating ACDC in high school. I'm sure a million other people were too. Your first stand-up gig was in Florida back in 1989, but within five or six years, your career is launched into the stratosphere as a cast member on Saturday Night Live, alongside Will Ferrell, David Spade, and Norm MacDonald, and your most notable characters being Goat Boy and The Joe Pesci Show, where such guests as Joe Pesci himself and Robert De Niro actually appear with you on the show, which was amazing. Did you ever bring your metal ideas to the writers when you were a cast member or pitch ACDC sketches? Colin Quinn, when I was on Saturday Night Live, I purposely would do entire Angus Young solos <laughs> in the writer's room. I'm not even kidding you. And Colin Quinn's like, I'm telling you, you should just do a whole sketch. That's all you do. It's just black and white. And you go out there as Angus Young, and just do it for an hour. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you see Brewer do this, he goes, ah, ah, ah. He does it dead on perfect. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. The guy's amazing. To me, anything I love and I'm fascinated with, I can imitate it over and over. And ACDC concerts, which I've seen probably about 15, 20, slept over to buy tickets for him. Nassau Coliseum. I was, I was a third guy in line. And cut to all these years later, and we're still all in when it comes to this band. What are we going to do when they officially retire? When they retire, I'm going to take over. Yes, that's a great idea. I'm doing it. I'm totally doing it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run old people's homes. Because by the time I'm like 60, 70, we're going to need ACDC. And I'm going to take over. And I'm going to tour all old people homes. Wrecking the place. Wrecking the place. <laughs> People are gonna wheel themselves into each other. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Knocking canes out. Ping, bang! Walk it off, Henry. Walk it off. They're about to do TNT. <laughs> <laughs> How does ACDC inspire you as a comedian? The energy, the full blown commitment, the they don't care what you write about them, they don't care. They, they just took a basic formula. We are a chocolate chip cookie. We um, use brown sugar, we use chocolate, and we bake it. Yeah, but you can put sprinkles on it. We use chocolate chips and brown sugar, and people love it. Yeah, but now they get the soft bake and the hard bake. It's so lovely, yes. Um, but this year, we're coming out with brown sugar cookies with chocolate chips in them. And I'm sure they'll do well. And it's been doing well for quite a long time. I love it. <laughs> Every song is like, hmm, is this song about chasing a chick or boozing? <laughs> chasing a chick. Train run on the track. <laughs> Boy meets girl. Train on the track. You know, Every song. So you've honed your Brian Johnson impersonation which is fantastic, but have you ever given Bon Scott a whirl? He's got a very unique, if not rather difficult, tone to match in the first place. Bon's good. He's, he's not 
for me, is not as um, cartoony as Brian. Bond was uh, a Bond was like a, a great storyteller. Not to put you on the spot, but can you give us a little bit of Bond? If you pardon the pun, got the balls to try it. An exclusive here, folks. His, his songs are like. I gave him my mind. Boom, dun, dun, dun. Then I gave her my body. Boom, dun. Ah, but she gave it to anybody. How was I to know that she had been there before? She told me she was a virgin. She was number 999 on the clinical list. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like a play. Tell us more, Bon. <laughs> I had to fall in love with this. Dancy little bitch. She's That almost sounded like Bon Scott doing Shakespeare. Shakespeare of rock. I want to tell you a story about a woman I know. But she's not, she's not pretty. But she definitely stole the show. You're like, oh, this is great. 42, 39, 56. You can say she had it all. We're in. Great story. I wonder if that's how his, all his, he reminds me as a comedian, like what I do, because it's really storytelling with my friends, and I go, oh, that'd be a great bit. I wonder if Bond would be like, this is a great story. Angus, can you put a riff to the story? Can't tell you story, can they, Bond? That was a great Angus. That's an interesting comparison. Do you think comedians are like rock stars at all? They want to be rock stars. We're nothing like rock stars. We are nothing like rock stars. If you look at comedians when they're ready to burst, we all want to be rock stars. Hence Eddie Murphy and his, his ridiculous leather, that red leather. Um, Chris Rock all of a sudden had the black yeah. leather. Right. Here's what I'm on a new level. I'm on rock star Jay-Z. I'm on Jay-Z. A-C. Jay-Z. <laughs> Every time a comic's about to smash, they always put on the leather or the black and they got a little bit of a rock star look to them. That is so true. I think of people like Dice Clay, Eddie Murphy, when it comes to comedians approaching that rock star status. But speaking of comedians, congrats on making Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Stand-Ups of All Time list. That's quite an honor, especially when you consider the group of people you're in there with. I guess so. That's a big group. It's a nice group, but, you know, whatever. Who's at the top of your all-time favorite comedians list? To me, the top 10 is uh, Carlin, Cosby, and I used to think prior number one but I'm gonna have to put Carlin number one now, only because of he's had so much yeah. and so consistent. Carlin is actually my personal favorite. Uh, well, next to you, of course, Jim. <laughs> Carlin, Pryor, Cosby, Sam Kinison, Steve Martin. I would put Steven Wright up there. Maybe Chris Rock's been very solid, everything he's put out. But a really, really nice honor for you, seriously. Oh, it's great. Yeah, no, it's cool to be on there. It's cool to be on there. So let's get back to the Saturday Night Live thing, which you were around for three or four seasons. What was the closest metal idea that was considered on the show? Um, I had heavy metal news. And that was my all-time favorite character. That was my character I've been creating since I was a kid. That was my vision. 
He was going on tour. He still eventually is going to be born. I'm still writing for him, and I'm this close to putting him into exactly how I see going down. And um, <clears throat> it destroyed the first time. It destroyed. Um, it destroyed the second time. Colin Quinn couldn't keep a straight face. And uh, it was, it's a mix. If you watch The Heavy Man Lose, it's a mix between Hetfield and Brian Johnson. It's exactly what my future heavy metal guy is going to be. It's Brian Johnson meets James Hetfield. And uh, after the third one, it mutilated. And then that was it for Sunday Live for me. So it never got to, he never got to really blow up. So you've now left SNL, but the Brian Johnson character finally comes to life via your live stand-up shows, and it just takes off. And then Brian Johnson got a whiff of it. What was the initial feedback you heard from Brian? Did he get in touch with you? Brian Johnson heard about the hokey pokey, and uh, he left a message on my radio show, on satellite radio. He's like, Jimmy Son, I'm coming for you. I heard y'all doing the hookip poogip. And uh, I'm gonna find you, me son. And what we do, we're gonna hookip poogip live, you have me son. <laughs> so basically, you could understand just enough of that message that he wanted to come on your show. So then, not only does he show up on your show, but performs with you live in the studio. And by the way, can we just agree on what a great guy that guy is? What a great guy. He's like, he's like every guy I ever grew up with, but he's just really hard to understand. And uh, what a, just a class act, great, just a guy's guy. And um, we end up, he's like, you're coming on stage tonight and you're going to do the hoogie pokey. It was funny because before he came on my radio show, I got my band. I said, all right, let's rehearse because... We don't know what he sounds like. He's 60 years old. Mm -hmm. Is he going to sound all right? I'll help him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how stupid I am. Hey, I'll help him. He's probably going to need some help. Let Jimmer come in. I've, I've been working on the vocal cords. I got a couple songs under my belt. Yeah. I think I got this. <laughs> I got his back. You'll help him. Well, he comes in like, Brian, you ready to sing a song? He's going to sing... Uh, uh, rock and roll and noise pollution. He goes, ah, let me, let me test you. <laughs> and boom, he goes out there and he knocks out rock and rolls and noise pollution. And if someone had told me when I was 15, 16 years old, I'm hanging out in the studio and Brian Johnson is just hanging out, singing. And it wasn't even the ACDC guy. It was just... It was like hanging out in my garage. It was so cool. It was just, it was everything you ever wanted. It was really cool. And listeners, if you haven't seen Jim's duet with Brian performing Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, please YouTube it. It is so much fun. You will not be disappointed. I meant to tell you, I remember driving to work one cold winter morning in Maine when I was living in Maine, listening to the Howard Stern Show. And which you were a guest frequently on, but you and Artie Lang were volleying back and forth this phenomenal Brian Johnson impersonation. I was so entranced with your routine 
that I proceeded to sit in my car and not go to work until your time was up for uh, probably a half an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Artie was talking about the juxtaposition of Bruce Springsteen as a front man and Brian Johnson as a front man, which I thought was clever. And Bruce's prelude to a song would be this long-winded American storytelling of, you know, so I went downtown to get my draft card to fight in Vietnam. <laughs> and then you came in and imitated how Brian Johnson would tee up an ACDC song. And you were like, we got some back in black. You ready? <laughs> right. Right. There is no Brian. Just like, he's a song about a dirty woman. He's a song of the back in black. And you better be ready because that's how he comes at you. Isn't that like, you guys ready? He's like, it took 20 minutes for Bruce to get into his song and about five seconds for Brian. That example alone sets those two artists miles apart. And you guys put the microscope on that so brilliantly. We talk about how ACDC has influenced so many people in so many different ways. One of my biggest influences besides the music was their album cover artwork, which was art directed by the great Bob Deffrin. Um, did the art of ACDC have any influence on you growing up? Devil horns always freaked me out. I wasn't into the devil thing. That thing, the devil thing, I almost wish was in there. And a matter of fact, because, you know, there was all this, uh, you know, Satan worship, what's going on? Um, the only album that I literally bought because of the cover was the For Those About to Rock. Seeing those cannons, I was like, oh my God, it's like going to war, and I'm going to war with life. Lock up the cannons. We're rolling. And that was one of the best albums ever. No one talks about how great that album. That was a great album. I put the finger right on you. You put the finger on me too. I put the finger, you put the, I put the finger on. It was a great album. Oh, I love it. Every single snowball. So unsung. Father in the background. Jeez. <laughs> I am so glad you said that. I truly concur. Uh, for those about the rock, get snubbed more often than not as a non-cohesive album. But it just so happens to be my favorite ACDC album. So thank you for saying that, Jim. And Bob Deffrin, who we spoke with, actually hates that album cover, by the way. He said he didn't even work on it. He gave it to somebody else to design it. And I think it's the greatest. It's just so simple and powerful. and It's the greatest one. That blew away every single album cover I've ever seen. That is by far... One of the all-time classics. And then I said to Bob, you know, it's still kind of about sex, that album cover. And he said, how so? And I said, hmm, cock and balls? <laughs> That's right. At the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> so here's an interesting question. It's a, it might be the ultimate question for you as a comedian. Um, what do you find funny about ACDC? Oh, the whole, the whole... You know, not until I get older that I realize the funny shtick of it all. It's such a, you know, you take the Wiggles, who are also a huge Australian band. Mm. You take the Wiggles, and people are like, ah, oh, look at this. Not, 
This is the Wiggles for adults. <laughs> because, you know, you don't have the yellow guy and the blue guy, but you have Cliff and Malcolm coming up and they, in sequence. They stay in the back, <laughs> and then when they sing, they walk together like we walk in. One, two, three, four. And we do the shoot the thrill, where the kill, and we're done. And we march back. One, two. <laughs> Angus nod the head. And the first time I saw it, I went, this is the most amazing thing. And then the 20th time, I went, this is such a well-script, well-oiled yeah. machine. When's he coming out on the shoulders? Right. That's what I'm waiting for the shoulder part. Here he comes! <laughs> Brian, I, I can't do this much longer, you know. <laughs> I'm getting older. Brian, thank God you're only 35 pounds. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll lose more. I cut me hair. I lost another 15 pounds from me hair. <laughs> you just did an entire ACDC show in one minute. And that's it. And Lily, it's just, it's a show from the minute, you know, lights are out. Bang! Here come the bells! Bang! It's, it's a show. This is the Wiggles for adults. By the way, we also interviewed the Wiggles for ACDC Beyond the Thunder, and they actually performed... It's a long way to the top in their little red car, juggling fruit and playing kazoos for us. <laughs> you mentioned Angus's striptease act before, and we also talked with a few strippers from scores in New York City who said that ACDC actually built up their confidence to get up on the pole for the first time. Do you find ACDC to be like the ultimate stripper band? I don't see it. I think Motley Crue is. But ACDC... To me, it's not the ultimate music first. To me, it's the ultimate backyard barn. We don't need chicks here. This ain't no chicks belonging in this party. We're gonna drink some Jack Daniels and talk about our biceps. We're gonna talk about rugby and football and how big our calves are. Charlie, we're gonna play pool and darts. Someone's gonna take one in the back of the shoulder. Right in the middle of shoot the thrill. Oh. <laughs> Tell us what it was like for you seeing ACDC live for the first time and why you think they're such a generational band. I remember seeing them live for the first time and I only knew going in probably three songs. Wow. I knew Shoot to Thrill. No, not even. Back in Black, Shook Me All Night Long. I went after the uh, Back in Black album. Wow, okay. And every single, I hate going to concerts. You know, I only know three songs. I only know Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever song. 
you only know like one or two songs and it's so boring and you're trying to get ACDC, every single song, whether you knew it or not, you're like, what's the song? Why is everyone, the jack, the jack, oh I got it. She's on the jack, oh lot of roses, let it be right. Every song you can move to, you can, the last time I saw them, the coolest thing I, to me was, there's guys in their 60s and there's kids like 18 and all the way down to 12. Yeah. And I felt it was my responsibility because they only knew like, the kids are like, train, man, on the track. <laughs> like, oh, you're gonna be educated tonight, young fella. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, you're lucky that you got me sitting two steps down from you. And I literally, you know, when they started hitting that, um, the Jack and TNT and his kids were a little like this, I would purposely mouth it really, cause the TNT, oi, oi, oi. And I'd be like, look at everyone doing the oi. That's what the show is. Nice. You gotta do this. You know, with the wiggles, you gotta do some kind of ACDs, you gotta do oi, oi. Oh, you gotta do this. You gotta. Ah. Uh, I saw the Madison Square Garden, and I still can't hear. That is still the only band in the world where all you hear is this for about a week. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Feels good. It's a good hurt. Feels like it worked out. Your bones are achy for a week. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, I saw a concert a week ago. Still hurting from Let There Be Rock song. Uh, I'm gonna come out with the heavy metal hard rock workout. Abs in two albums. Great abs in two albums. And it's gonna be ACDC Metallica. I'm gonna get a lot of people in fit. Six minute heavy metal abs. Ozzy could have used your heavy metal workout in the 80s, I think. <laughs> Six no, minute heavy six. metal hard rock abs. This, this song really works, the low abdomen. Now, I'm not gonna lie to you, there's a lot of danger in the vertebrae, so don't get too crazy, work at your own pace. This is uh, it's very obscure, it's called Snowballs. This is for those who are advanced. You can fight off the, uh, for those about the rock album. Start off very, we're gonna start off here, right? Then you gotta pretend someone's invading your space at the concert. So now you wanna let them know, if you're gonna come in, you're gonna, you gotta join the pack. And when he hits the snowball, start with the left, it's working the bicep. You got your forearm. Right here, you got the back, whole back. <laughs> I've been working out with heavy metal workout for two years. I'm an animal. <laughs> As a fellow comedian, what did you think of Jack Black's obvious homage to ACDC and School of Rock? Oh. That, first of all, I was envious yeah. that that wasn't me. Second of all, I don't think anybody could have done it better. He, when I first watched School of Rock, I went, these bastards. <laughs> these bastards. And then, I went, damn, man, he's really good. Man, he's really good. And he was great. Jack Black, and you know what I liked what Jack Black did with it? He didn't make it stupid. I am Jack Black in the life as far as how he portrayed the music. 
Like he was like, this is rock. This is what I, he took it like an anthem and I, I appreciated that angle. It was real, wasn't it? It was very real and he was phenomenal in it. Absolutely phenomenal. It was essentially a kid's movie on the surface, but all ages loved that movie. Yes, and it brought kids into that world. Why has ACDC stood the test of time? What's their magic recipe in your mind? Again, because we're chocolate chip cookies and we have chocolate chips and we use brown sugar. You're not gonna find the same exact ingredient anywhere else in the world. Sure, they'll put on sprinkles and coconut and have not and chocolate and double chocolate, but we offer you the same cookie year after year. Why do you stay with the same doctor for years and years? Why do you stay with the same dentist? Why do you live in the same house? Because you're comfortable, you know what you're gonna get, and it's satisfaction guaranteed. And, 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 nice. That's why. <laughs> it is tough to not end on that answer, Jim, but we do have another one that we always end the show with. But thank you so much for being a part of Beyond the Thunder. And opening us up to the world of humor. Everyone needs to laugh a little bit more out there, I think. Um, but as our listeners now know, we must leave them with your choice to describe ACDC in one word. What would your one word be, Jim? Rock. Rock. One big, solid. <laughs> a little bit of dust comes out the side. <laughs> <laughs> Couple crows scatter. <laughs> That's rock! ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Brand ambassador and marketing guru, Gino Bona. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Gino Bona, Greg Ferguson, Eric Kielb and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast, all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shazbot. Nanu Nanu.